This is the Houston Football Show, brought to you by the Prime Social Poker Club and Inside Edge, with your hosts, Aaron Wilson and Jason Braddock. All right, back here on the Houston Football Show, Season 1, Episode 14. The season is flying by. Can't believe it's gone this far. I guess I'm going to call this episode Titans or Tank because that's kind of where we're at at this point, 1-4 and 1 for the Houston Texans. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Braddock, the other host, Aaron Wilson, Texans Insider for KPRC2 and Sports Talk 790. Aaron, welcome in. Hey, I'm sorry the phone is ringing. Um, Can we pause real quick, guys? Yeah, go ahead and take a break. We'll get back with Aaron here in a second. He'll pop back in on the broadcast. And as you've seen through some of the broadcasts that that we have uh, here on the Houston Football Show, and if this is your first time checking out the Houston Football Show, we are a weekly Texan show with an NFL insider. We get that inside information, my background and evaluation and sports radio. We mesh it all together to give you an insider's look at the Texans 52 weeks a year, every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And you can catch it on all your podcast platforms. It also goes live if you're following us on Twitter at Jason Braddock, Jason with a Y, and at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. As I mentioned, Aaron is the Texans insider for KPRC2 and Sports Talk 7. Uh, We also have Jonathan Danger Cole, and sometimes you hear Mark Larson on the other side of the glass, so to speak, from iLogic Media, and we appreciate all the production and everything they put on for us. Now, when we get Aaron back on the show, we're going to get caught up with some of the injuries to this point, what we've seen over the last week. Kenyon Green in this past game against the Raiders, Nico Collins, Malik Malik Collins. Aaron has put out, if you're following him on social media, which I, I assume you are, uh, you've probably seen he's put he's put out uh, kind of where these guys are a little bit. And there may be a little conflict out there of the severity of some of these issues, uh, injuries. And so I'd like to catch up with Aaron on that. So when we get him back on, we'll see where the severity is with Kenyon Green, Nico Collins, Malik and Malik Collins, and also with some of the guys coming back. Aaron well, also has some uh, other breaking news. Well, I guess breaking news in the sense of how it came out today. They moved on from one Ty John, I mean, T Johnson, or I guess you could say Ty Johnson and brought in another Ty Johnson. And we'll get up with uh, catch up with that as well. Now, Aaron, we have you back. Yes, I'm back. All right, well, let's go right to those injuries. Kenyon Green, Nico Collins, Malik Collins, uh, anyone else uh, you want to throw in the mix there? Catch us up with not only the injuries, what happened, but also um, the severity of them. Right. The good news is that none of these players are expected at this point to be placed on injured reserve. Oh, awesome. And the other good news is that they're all considered day-to-day, and that means that while they might not practice Wednesday, they haven't been ruled out yet for Sunday. Nice. So while some of them might miss a game, there is a possibility that this is pretty short term. And Kenyon Green had an MRI for his chest, and he's expected to be available. And then with Malik Collins, he has a chest injury too. And again, day-to-day, not something that's expected to force him on injured reserve. And I know a lot of people thought right. when they – 
had the injury with Nico Collins. He didn't finish the game, but he didn't keep in mind that he has lots of little nagging injuries. Sometimes he's on the injury right. report a lot of different things. You'll see an Achilles. You've seen other various listings. Uh, it's been a kind of a gamut for him this season, but he hasn't been out. He's played. This time, yeah, people were thinking, oh, well, they're signing Tyron Johnson. They got a need. No, they're swapping out Tyron Johnson and Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson is someone they claimed off waivers. A lot of people got excited because he was a fifth-round draft pick from Minnesota for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he played some and had some production. He didn't play special teams. He wasn't really getting it done. They played him in two games. He was never targeted. And I would say, like, we – including myself, probably wasted too much ink on this. Right, They right. didn't have a little plan for him. They took a flyer on him. It didn't work out. It's not that complicated. Exactly. No story on it. That happens all the time. Yeah, they and I'd like to say, can, can, I, I'm glad that you said that, Aaron. Just add my two cents on it. Uh, yeah, I hope the fan base doesn't get discouraged from this because this is exactly what I want to see from a one four one team. Like, give guys opportunity. Let it churn. If it doesn't work with them, move on. This is a year to try to find those diamonds in the rough. Uh, my apologies. Go ahead, Aaron. No, you're great. With Tyron Johnson, who's been here twice before, but it was with the other regime. So this is his chance to play for a different coaching staff. And Pep Hamilton coached him with some success with the Chargers. He had 20 receptions. Mm. He scored three touchdowns. And I think he was targeted like 22 or 23 times that year. And I'm surprised that didn't earn him another job faster. But he's with the Raiders, and the Raiders cut him from their practice squad. And T-Bill, as people call him on social, can run. He's six yes. He runs a 4-3-6. He's a sprinter. He's real fast. He can get up the field. He's a kind of bigger receiver at 6'1. And he's, you know, he's got some size to him. He's got some leaping ability. So he's an interesting player. But he's been bouncing around. And you know, he's not the most polished route runner, not the greatest hands, but he can get open. So he's interesting. Anytime you bring in some speed, that's interesting. And he has a background with Pep. So that's what's up with the wide receiver change, the injury situation, and of course, all of the other problems. There's a lot of things for us to get into. The run stopping, the lack of the pass rush. <laughs> yeah. And more yeah, interesting, I think, did Davis Mills make a statement? Well, so, that's exactly where I want to go next, Aaron, because with Davis Mills, you know, Texans were 9 of 15 on third downs in this. They're 14 for 28 over the last two games. A uh, little negative side of that, though, on the 9 for 15 this past game against the Raiders, when it really mattered there in the fourth quarter, they were only 2 for 5 on third downs. But that 14 of 28 might not be eye-popping right out the gate, but when you look at what they did on uh, third downs the first four games of the season, they were 14 of 52. He had twice the opportunities and still only converted the same 14 of that. Uh, Mills did look good, in my opinion, Aaron, for the most part. But in those crucial moments, we still see him struggle. And to kind of put some stats with what we've seen with the eyes, this year in the fourth quarter and one overtime period, just the fourth quarter and one overtime period alone, Davis Mills has thrown one touchdown, three interceptions, and has been sacked nine times. All of the first through third quarters combined, he's thrown six touchdowns, two interceptions, and has only been sacked four times. The stats match up to the eye test uh, for me. Are you hearing differently? Do you see it differently? Where are you at with Davis Mills, Aaron? Right. It gave me something to think about, food for thought, if you will. With Davis, I thought 
off script a little bit better. Rolling left, True. touchdown pass to Philip Dorsett. Great ball. Really good at finding the open man, the progression to Chris Moore. Another touchdown. The touch and the vision to find Jordan Akins, the connection he has with Jordan. Oh, that's a great pass. He's yes. Mm. In catches now, I believe, on like, uh, let's say 154 yards and a touchdown. I think he's on like, maybe like 15 targets or so, maybe something, something like that. And really high percentage. So that's working really well. But what I saw from Davis was I saw poise. And I also saw a good pass protection from Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil against Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Formidable pass rushing tandem. Absolutely. Especially Max, who was leading the NFL with six sacks, tied with uh, Nick Bosa heading into this game. So these guys normally hit the quarterback a lot. And Chandler hasn't had a great year, but Chandler is one of the most accomplished pass rushers in the past decade. They got it done. And they ran the ball. They did everything you could really hope for as an offense, and the play calling was really sharp. Got to give a shout-out. Yes, out to it Pat. was. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Nice. Great point. Best game plan from him. This is when people start talking about, hey, talking about Pep, and that he has some juice. This game plan, obviously, I know they had the bye week. They had some time to put it in, but the fact is they put sure. it in. They were creative, and they didn't get away from their bread and butter, which is running the football with Damian Pierce. Damian, that 10-yard run he had, when it looked bottled up, that was really impressive. Uh, Absolutely. I think, you know, the fourth quarter is concerning because that's the money quarter, and he's got to learn how to play in the clutch. Well, let's expand on that because, I mean, that's a little bit – before we move on to that Texans defense, here with Davis Mills, and let's throw out some of the positives. It's like like we've all stated. uh, This was one of his better road games, if not his best road game, uh, especially – until the fourth quarter. Uh, first three games of the season, Mills was only completing 58% of his passes, and we were ask, asking what's going on with Davis Mills. Well, we do have to take note that in his last three games, he's completing 70% of his passes. So we we are seeing that improvement. And also, you talked about Titus and Tonsil, and I think that's where the foundation of the pass protection comes on this offensive line. Dave only allowed, and some of this goes to Davis Mills getting rid of the ball too. Davis Mills has only been sacked one time uh, in three of the last four games. He hasn't been sacked multiple times except once in the last four games. But Aaron, you talked about he's got to be better in the money quarter. It's also that first quarter as well. Here's the splits with Davis Mills in the first and fourth quarter this year. He's been sacked eight times in the first and fourth with only two touchdowns, five interceptions. What's different in that second and third quarter, Aaron, where he's got five touchdowns, no interceptions, and has only been sacked three times? I think it's the get your feet wet and adjust thing because he slow does. Starter? I think he does start slow. I think some of it's the game plan. I think some of it's that he needs to see the defense first. And then after halftime, the adjustments seem to help him. A big time. In the third quarter. That's his best quarter generally. What, what, let me ask you that, though. But, I mean, so if it's okay, you got halftime adjustments. I just want you to make it make sense for me because uh, I've been struggling with this. Uh, I understand the halftime adjustments. You can probably come out, even if you got some stuff scripted that you like. Why, if they've scripted plays to start the game or whatever, do we not see the success? Or is it is it that simple as what you said, just those uh, jitters? He's got to get his feet wet, got to get the feel of it, and then he kind of gets into the flow of things until the fourth quarter. I think, you know, there's a lot of empirical evidence to suggest that he has to get in a rhythm. 
that he needs time, and a lot of quarterbacks do, but that he's not a fast starter, that he's someone that definitely needs just a little bit of time. You look at his completion percentage in the third quarter, it's 76%. In right. the fourth quarter, it's 55%. Mm. Look at his yardage, it's 441 yards in the third quarter, it's 357 in the fourth. He's right. someone that has been intercepted a couple of times in the first quarter. Uh, they've never picked him off in the second or the third, but three interceptions in the fourth quarter, only the one touchdown. And like you said, the 57.9 rating and 64.3. He is like, I mean, it's, it's, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I, I pulled up my pro football reference split. So I'm, I'm looking at them right now as I'm reading nice. basically. The 94.6 second quarter passer rating, the 122.2 third quarter rating. Mm. If you played, if you extrapolated out his. You bring in the vocabulary tonight. I just don't want this to be lost on the audience. I'm sorry to cut you off. Forgive my rudeness, but I'm impressed with the vocabulary. Let's give a shout out. What college was it, Aaron? East Carolina University. East Carolina, the Pirates. Shout out to the Pirates. I didn't know they were dropping vocabulary like that. Linebacker a long time ago. And Chuck well, Pagano, you're, you're the Jeff Blake of vocabulary. No, no, no. One better. You're the Chris Johnson of vocabulary out of East Carolina yeah. University, Jeff as you guy. were. Yeah, Jeff is a great guy. Mark, uh, I was there with Jeff Blake and Marcus Crandall. Marcus awesome. was CFL quarterback. But, yeah, no, we had some good guys. Jarris McPhail, Larry Shannon, Emmanuel McDaniel. We had some pros. We had a, a few guys that made it to the league. Uh, I was with you at Jeff Blake and Chris Johnson, and then you then you lost me. This is a while ago, but yeah, he's walked out there, <laughs> drafted, and played in the league. But significant. Uh, you know, it's a smaller college. Uh, but yeah, we, the Pirates uh, play with a lot of heart, and uh, they they've won some big games over the years. Um, well, let's they, flip it up a little. Let's flip it up. You, unless you got if if you took his numbers, yeah, from the third quarter, mm-hmm. and he obviously that's that's not realistic that you'll never throw a pick, but you had three touchdowns, no interception. Right. A 76% completion rating, a 122. Guess what that is? That's Pro Bowl quality. Right. So if someone was to tell you that Davis Mills has Pro Bowl quality, they'd be like, you're crazy. Look at his total numbers. That's why you always have to look at the big picture. What really matters is not so much – the fourth quarter is obviously is pivotal, but it's the cumulative. It's, it's, always, it's all of the throws. And cumulatively, yes, he's improving, and he is not hopeless. I think he has a good future. I don't know what the ceiling is, and I think the Texans want to find I, That's out. fair. I'm glad you said that because I think everybody's guessing what the ceiling is. Everybody wants to write him off or say he's going to be the next this. Man, I think we're all guessing with this kid because it's such a rare and unique situation with them. Um, and, and so I, I'm glad you state that. But you mentioned the fourth quarter, Aaron. I'm giving up and, on this I think, I think right. there's something left. There is more uh, onion left to peel on Davis Mills, and he doesn't have everything it needs, you know. But he's got a pretty good supporting cast. He's got a decent offensive line, especially the tackles. He's got a running back. He's got tight ends, lots of tight ends, and he's got an okay receiving core. And he's it's mostly it's just on him. Like how well could he play? Yeah, uh, because it's not like the supporting cast is just terrible. You very rarely. 
You mentioned the fourth quarter, and it's not just Davis Mills. And even on the offensive side, it's not just Davis Mills. The penalties, the team just shoots itself in the foot as a whole. But uh, on the flip side, what's really strange is that with Davis Mills' fourth quarter struggle is is the same with the defense. The Texans, this might surprise people, but the Texans, the first through third quarter this year, have outscored their opponents by 10 points. They're plus 10 through the first through third quarters. In the fourth quarter, they've given up 58 points in the fourth quarter and have been outscored by 41 points in the fourth quarter. It's it's insane to see. And Aaron, I mean, the, the quarterback falls apart, the penalties, and then the defense falls apart. Where's the blame? Let's explain it. What they... Fundamentally lack. They don't have a very big front seven. They are small. Man for man. Pound for pound. There is no... It's a defense that's built on speed and quickness. They cannot afford to make any mistakes. Mm -hmm. You can't be out of your gap. You can't miss the tackle. And you're not... They literally don't take up enough space, the defensive line. I know that Roy Lopez is a big guy. They need him to be even bigger. This defense needs bigger defensive linemen. They need more penetration. They need the defensive ends to crash hard and set the edge when called for. Right. Linebackers, this is a not a good group of linebackers. This is – I don't know. I don't rank all the linebackers. I don't do that. But it's not a good group. They've got to be in the bottom five of linebackers. Yeah, I think that's more than fair to say yeah. as a group. And then you talked about the defense, though. Tackles are missed. So Jonathan Owens, Jalen Petrie, they miss tackles. Steven Nelson misses tackles. Guy that doesn't miss Christian any tackles. Kirksey. Extremely. Christian Kirksey misses a lot of tackles. Christian Kirksey, I believe, has missed about seven tackles this year. Um, let's see. Petrie's got like nine missed tackles. I know Nelson's yeah. got at least Not six or seven. It is one thing for him, and he lacks ideal size. Kamu has seven missed tackles. Uh, Christian Harris had four missed tackles in the game, and this was right. his debut. I want to talk a lot about his debut. And Kamal Grugier Hill was very productive and this past season, and this year it hasn't quite been the same. I think that you saw what they did. They didn't start Christian Harris, but they played him starter reps. Yeah, well, Lovey said, uh, and, and let me touch on this for those uh, that don't follow me on Twitter and see the weekly breakdowns at Jason Braddock and obviously Aaron at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. But Lovey said, and we asked him earlier in the press conference in the week about Christian Harrison if he would play different positions and cross train. Lovey said, and I'm paraphrasing here, he didn't want to put too much on a rookie, want to train him at one thing. That's exactly what we did. Uh, I mean, excuse me, that's exactly what the Texans did when I went back and looked at the film. He was only playing, they played three uh, reps of 335 in third and long situations. And those reps, it was Kirko, Cashman, and those only three defensive reps Cashman played and Christian Harris. Outside of that, Christian Harris only played as that nickel linebacker in 4-3 base it was Kamu and Wallow outside of Kirksey so he had everybody try to do one thing and I guess the thought was for them to do it well which they didn't Aaron uh go ahead I just want to add a little bit of color to what you were saying there as well right so what wound up happening is they played Christian a significant amount but he hadn't played since his last football game was the national game when he had three sacks and four tackles for losses and of course fumble against Georgia so obviously he's a very talented football player and he's the fastest linebacker they have. He runs a four, four, he can fly. 
I saw some flashes and I kind of, you know, Lovey Smith tends to be almost overly positive, but I sure. didn't disagree with some of the things he said. I, I think he didn't want to criticize a rookie who understandably wasn't expected to play great. What I thought they did is they took him from zero to 60. And I don't know if that really helped him. He probably been better off playing a little bit less than you know, right. spelling him. And it was dramatic and a little bit jarring to, for people to see this for him to play that much. And he did struggle. You know, he was the one that gave up the 12 yard run to Josh Jacobs before the 15 yard touchdown run. Late they recognition all- on that first, um, that first jet sweep, big gainer going from right to left behind the offensive line. He was extremely late on the recognition. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there was many mistakes, rookie mistakes. But you 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 laid it out, you know, even with the missed tackles. He's missed so much time, Aaron. And I thought it was refreshing just seeing him fly around out there, even with all the mistakes, even with all the missed tackles. This isn't Steven Nelson who had a couple more missed tackles in this game. This is a guy who's missed a lot of time, first game as a rookie, asked to do a lot, asked to play a lot of reps. And I loved how he took on blocks. I loved how he exploded. I loved how he shed and just flew around. I expected the mistakes. I expected the missed tackles and everything else. So, I mean, for me, for me, I, I like what I see from Christian Harrison at one four and one. I need to see a lot more of them and let them get that on the job training. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that they may have force fed the situation a little more than they needed to. True. And I think that they have affected the game a bit. You know, this is not uh, the preseason, right? They're trying right. to win these games. So you know, he'll get better, but there were some serious growing pains. Uh, what I liked there was a tackle for a loss that he affected by taking on the ISO block. That was really physical. I like that he could run with Devontae Adams. Yes. How about that? That's, that's, that's very impressive. And one of those missed tackles, too. A lot of these missed tackles in this game was Devontae Adams. No matter how tall he is, that dude was shaking people left uh, and right. He definitely left Harrison in his, in his uh, yeah, shook him out that, of his shoes on one play. There are a lot of plays like that. And I think, you know, I want to get into the Josh Jacobs thing a little more now that we've, we've addressed linebacker, right. but just look at all three levels. Mm. There's issues. They miss tackles. They don't get their head across to the right side. They don't hit hard enough. They don't thump enough. They don't you know if you need to hold, grab them and hold on until you're until help arrives. Seen that a lot in high school football, right? If you, is if it, is it fair to, with what you're saying, is it fair to evaluate Lovey as a head coach this year? Because we're not evaluating Casario or anybody else in the front I mean, office. Is signed, it fair to evaluate Lovey? He signed, I mean, Nick signed them and Lovey signed off on this group of defenders. And you know, let's be really frank. The pass rush, they're not getting home. They missed two sacks yards. and what? What do they have? Two sacks in the last three games or something? Yeah, yeah two two sacks total in the last three games. So fair point. They're not making enough tackles. They're not hitting hard enough. They're not forcing fumbles in every area of defense except for coverage, which is good most of the time. They're pretty deficient. So this doesn't look like a good defense, and. I don't think it's just the scheme. I, I think it's the personnel. I think they've got to take a long, hard look in the mirror and decide who are our best three linebackers that we want out there the majority of the time. Right. Figure that part out. And then I don't see a lot of ability to affect the defensive line because what are you going to do? 
you've already got your bigger defensive end now that Grenard's injured with Rasheed sure. Green out there. You can they all just have to play better. I don't know if they can though. And that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. At some point hold it back. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, and they're gonna play the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry, and he's an all pro mm-hmm. and he's had 200 yard games against this franchise. It doesn't feel like it's about to get better. And it will take them making lots of big plays, guys starting to make TFLs, guys starting to. He may one thing he might have to do is run blitz, mm-hmm. and that's just bring the house, bring fire blitzes a lot. And yeah, you, Wallow Wallow's looking good on those run blitzes Wallow's as well, blowing it up. I, I would like to see Christian Harris and uh, Wallow out there. I, I know you don't want to put too much on Harris, but at this Harris, point, you're one four Harris, one. Wallow and um, Kirko, and you go with that because here's who's not coming off the field. Kirko. Kirko is an extension of Lovey's voice on the field. He's the defensive signal caller. He's a team captain. And he's not that coming. Horse is coming up horse too many times. Yeah. Regardless, I can tell you that's not changing. The All right. Well, that's out there. I mean, that that's that's a big nugget to me, uh, especially with the trade deadline looming. If somebody else like Kirksey and was willing to take on that contract, because I definitely think I definitely think that's a jenga block of this defense. That's that's helping it collapse. Game trade deadline. Uh, I would love to get into some stuff on Brandon Cooks. Well, let's do that. Let's hit our let's get our first break, and let me uh, put a bow. Uh, a bow on the end of this first segment, and then we're going to get to our first spot. So we'll come back. We'll get into Brandon Cooks, also the Titans, Texans coming up, other trade deadlines. Uh, plenty more coming up here with Aaron Wilson here on the 14th edition of the Houston Football Show. Uh, before we get to the next segment, though, uh, let's take a break from our sponsors. Come out and enjoy Houston's longest standing poker room with a stellar reputation for class and quality Prime Social Poker Club. At Prime, you'll enjoy an upscale social environment, fully stocked bar, gourmet dining, pool tables, dozens of poker tables, and many other fun games throughout the venue. You can also join their over 21,000 members with a lifetime membership for only $10. What are you waiting for? Get into the game. Come join us at Prime Social Poker Club. Inside Edge was founded over 30 years ago as a data and analytics provider for Major League Baseball clubs. If you've seen the movie Moneyball, then you know Inside Edge. They were part of the data and analytics revolution in professional sports. Fans can now have access to the same insights and analytics used by pro teams for free at MyInsideEdge.com. MyInsideEdge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can find matchups, specific insights, and projections to help make informed betting and fantasy decisions. Again, that's MyInsideEdge.com. All right, back here on the Houston Football Show, Jason Braddock, Aaron Wilson. It's Titans, Texans week, or like I I call them, the fake Oilers, because, yes, they did steal an entire legacy. And it's just crazy seeing Earl Campbell and different guys going to Tennessee and pretending that it means something up there. Like, let's quit pretending. Uh, So Texans versus fake Oilers this week. Titans come to town four and two. 
followed by the Eagles at six and zero, the Giants, uh, you know, I believe what five and one, combined record of sixteen and three. The next three games, so that leads me into my next thing, Aaron. Trade deadlines a week from today. And yes, you were mentioned a little bit before the break about Brandon Cook. So give us the latest on Brandon Cooks and maybe any other rumblings with the Texans. Right. Do not expect a fire sale. I wouldn't be surprised if there was not a trade. And with Brandon Cooks, I think it's unlikely unless someone increases their offer. And they're having offers. And because I haven't written this one, I don't want to name all I'm going to name three teams, but I'm going to name them uh, later in an article. But sure. yeah, there have been teams to call, and no one. Well, offered, can you speak on the compensation? I know you're saying they haven't no offered what they want. Pick, and I think that's what it would take to get it done. And is it I because of the dead money? I mean, you're sitting there, and I mean, it would be hard to eat. What is it? Eight million plus dead money for anything less than the second round pick, right? Right. Well, it's not so much just the dead money. I mean, they would obviously have some cap savings, about nine hundred sixty thousand. Sure. The dead money, it wouldn't be all like you know where you're over the cap. You would save nine hundred sixty grand uh, against the cap right now, right. but that's not why you would make the trade. You make the trade because you want the pick, right? And Absolutely. It would send a bad message to what they're trying to do. They really love Brandon Cooks. Uh, you probably saw the interview with me, um, for the video that I posted from the last game. Losing is wearing on him. You know, there's frustration, but he's all in. He's trying to win here and help these guys get to where they want to go. He's also attractive to other teams because he's a dynamic player and he's a strong leader. They Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this on Cooks. I, I don't know if you have an answer for this or not, but uh, people are on social media. I see different people post and retweet about him apparently liking different tweets about him getting traded contenders. Has uh, has there been any conversation or like what you what do you feel? I guess I don't want you to speculate, but do you know anything towards the feeling on behind those liking? Is it frustrating? Is it feeding him or is it something that uh, you say he's all in? I didn't ask him about it, so I can't. I can't sure. put words, you know, in, in his mouth. I, I don't want to speak for Brandon out, out of respect for him. So, yeah. Definitely understand. I don't, I don't, I don't, I've kind of don't like to interpret tweets too much and likes. And sometimes uh, players can have their ups and downs uh, with winning and losing. I can tell you it really bothers him to lose. That it's, that it's bothering him. That's emotional. And I think he handles it in a mature, professional way. I know some people were asking about Jack Easterby and, you know, whether he was not in anymore because of Jack. No, not at all. It's just that's a relationship that transcends football. That's a really close spiritual relationship that those guys have. He's fine with Nick Casario. He was complimentary of Davis Mills after the game. I talked to him a lot about Davis. We had a great conversation. And, you know, as he said, close, we've been close. Close is not good enough. It hasn't been good enough. And he, he has four drops on the year. Let me ask you about those four drops. Are those concentration drops? I mean, like, this, it, it's been very unlike Brandon Cooks this year. I wouldn't say that we've ever really, like, broke down the drops, which generally, like, unless a player, like, has a drop, like a Mike Evans type of drop, like, you know, where you – 
it's, well, it's, he, he dropped he dropped a touchdown early in the year. Uh, he dropped a third and two when he was wide open in this past game. He dropped a third down early in the year. That would have been a first down conversion. I think the first series of the year, if I'm not mistaken. I, I They've all been that, either touchdowns or third down conversions. I don't know if it's a high percentage compared to the volume. It, he's top five and he's top five in drops in the NFL. He is okay. It's a little higher than what he'd been in the past, where he was been. You know, pretty sure-handed, not perfect. Right, sure. but he's never been like a Hunter Renfro level of hands. I, I would say he's had good hands, but has he had great hands? Sometimes I think that he does. Like, there's a certain level of consistency. Sometimes I, I think that losing can wear on you. I, I just can't speak for him and his psyche or whatever. I can just say that he's trying really hard, and sometimes it looks like they're out of sync. Well, he's played with, I mean, to, to again, to go back to the human element, he's played with Drew Brees. He's played with Tom Brady. I mean, he's played with Hall of Famers. So. Quarterbacks. Yeah. The, the one in Denver, I really feel like that wasn't a very catchable ball. I don't think it was a great throw. Oh, we talked, the one in Denver, was that the, my recall's horrible. Is that the touchdown catch? Yeah, it should have been I'm a touchdown. A, I, I'm gonna leave you, you out there alone on that one. That's we're both. gonna call that. We're gonna call that Wilson Island because I'm All gonna right, leave you out there. Both, That's a touchdown. Not ten times out of ten. They were both. They were both bad on that play. The ball should have been. He makes a million hard. plus per game. Yeah, that's all fair. A million plus per game. If you give me a million dollars to do something in one day. I don't care if it's to mop up the entire NRG. That you're gonna come back and say, damn. Jason's the best mopper I've ever seen in the world. A million dollars, that ball comes through your arms and into your chest, catch the damn ball. Uh, that's my opinion. We're, we're going to move on from that. It's not that serious. We're just having a little fun with Aaron on yes. that. Um, let me ask you, because I asked if the Lovey assessment was fair. Is the Davis Mills assessment fair? Because, you know, we've had the drops, we've had some injuries, we've had struggles, and how the NFLs look. Not the quarterback position hasn't looked great outside of the Pat Mahomes and Josh Allens of the world around the NFL. And if, let's say they get that second round pick offer for Brandon Cooks, he gets traded out and say Nico misses a game or so, and he's really out there with a skeleton squad. Is the assessment this year fair if they decide to to move a couple pieces? I know you say there's not going to be a mass selling off, but is it a fair assessment for Mills in 2022? No, it would not be. You have an injured Nico Collins and you take away Cooks? I don't think that's fair at all. The life's not fair either, but. Right, and he's a third-round pick too, so he's not getting the same. I mean, he's getting almost treated Maybe it's because we're here in Houston, but it feels like it feels like his evaluation has been tougher than the first round Even guys. If you draft a quarterback, that doesn't mean that Davis Mills is off the team. Or has one, to I'm glad you said that. Well, go ahead, elaborate. That's yeah, well stated. Probably headed to training camp as the starter. Yes, and the rookie will have to earn it and beat him out. And then here's the other thing: I don't think a lot of people say. I think you've set this up perfectly. If if that happens, Milks comes to camp as a starter. You've got this rookie. Let's say you use a top five pick, draft a rookie, wherever is that, and you the plan is to go there and you maybe have another vet backup because Mill becomes a tradable commodity at that. And at least I think you can get a third back from Mills if he just has a mediocre year because of how much value is on that quarterback position. So I'll, I'll allow you to finish up, but I, I love where you're headed with this. A lot of starts. He's had some productivity. He's got a lot of physical tools. Every How much did Brock Osweiler get to come to the Texans per year? Those, 
It was a $60 million contract, right? Matt Flynn, Mike Glennon. And I don't need a specific number. But you, yeah, yeah, you Every get the point. In the NFL would like to have Davis Mills in some type of capacity, whether it's backup or whatever. He, there's teams that would love to have a, a young backup like this that's healthy on a rookie contract. All right, before we let you get out of here, Aaron. Yes, he definitely does. I, I love I love everything you stated there. Um, before we move, uh, I'll let you get on air. I know the phone's blowing up. You got more news coming in. I'm yeah. going to let you go ahead and make it before I take the second half of the show solo. Uh, answer a couple questions for me on the way out. Is it time to flip the page on the 2022 season, or do we, you expect to see a competitive team that's going out there with a the primary focus to beat the fake Oilers this week? My And let me add my two cents where I'm going with this, I guess. I think Dame, you know, Damian Pierce, I wouldn't give him more than 15-plus touches the rest of the way because he's so valuable for the 2023 offense and before. Do we see Dare increase more, and do we see a Texas youth movement throughout the entire team? I think the youth movement is going to be here. What I don't okay. agree with is limiting his ability to play. I mean, you just can't encase him in glass. He has to play football. One touch doesn't – 15, 16, whether it's 20, that doesn't increase the risk of injury in my opinion. How much, how much work would you give him the rest of the way on a one-four-and-one team? I'd keep giving him 20 to 25 carries a game. Really? weapon and he wants to play he's healthy enough to do it unless there's an injury unless he gets banged up then you just keep riding him i don't think they're wearing out his career i I don't believe in that whole he only has so many carries in you and that type of thing i don't look i don't don't? oh we 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 disagree on that so you don't believe it you're not buying in the 400 plus touch season I think that there's value in him continuing to gain yards, continuing to read holes, continuing to get better. I wouldn't take him off the field. No, I, I don't agree with all of a sudden you play other people just because the season's a certain way. No, I would just keep letting him grow. I don't think this is his, that he's reached his zenith. I think that he has more zenith. Oil. Nice. I used to have a Zenith back in the 80s when I was a kid. You just set it down, and after about a year or two, it broke, but it was so big you wouldn't move it. You would just bring in the new, smaller TV and sit it on top. You remember those days, Aaron? I remember that, and I I remember this. This player is not maxed out. He will get better. Imagine him next year with all this experience. I just – you can't – this is 100% injury rate in football. And, you know, you never want to, you know, even talk about that's an injury. A factual stat. Yeah, that's a factual stat. Aaron, that's why I love doing a show with you, man. Uh, you, you sir, fans get – sometimes Sometimes the fans are able to get both sides. A lot of times we're aligned. This may be one of the uh, my okay. favorite episodes. No, I, I like it. You know, I mean, in, in high school, I loved debate. I was never on the debate team because I wanted dates. But uh, I always loved debate in high school. And social media kind of killed that because everyone's trying to one-up each other. Love the factual side of, of you laying out that side. Okay. I'll talk to you soon.
Go ahead, take it. That's Aaron Wilson, Texans insider for KPRC2 and Sports Talk 790. And my co-host here on the Houston Football Show, which you can get a weekly look year-round, 52 weeks a year, every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. You're really going to love the Houston Football Show as we go into the offseason as well as the regular season. Draft season, draft my draft evaluations I'll drop on here. Aaron Wilson will have his inside interviews with the Texans, the front office there at the Combine. You know he's everywhere. The hardest working man in the business, my co-host Aaron Wilson. And, and no lie, I really enjoyed the first half of the episode because a lot of times me and Aaron are pretty eye to eye. This episode is a couple things we disagree on, and I love it because it allows you to get both sides of it, and neither one of us are going to budge from our opinion. So I, I believe what I see, Aaron believes what he sees, and you get to hear both sides of it. Uh, and a wealth of information behind that. Love, love that first segment with Aaron Wilson. Please hang on for the second segment before we, I mean, the second half of the show, excuse me. But before we get that, let me take time out to tell you about Prime Poker Social Club, one of our uh, title sponsors here on the Houston Football Show. And if you live here locally in Houston, is conveniently located right there at 7801 Westheimer. Everything's going down on Westheimer, especially poker in Texas. They open daily at prime, 10 a.m., and they don't close until the last person leaves. That's not hyperbole. If you're there all night, they don't close all night, and they keep it rolling. 24-7, 365, free play going on from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. daily. Happy hour, 4 to 9 p.m. daily. But prime social... Uh, Prime, excuse me, Prime Poker Social Club is called a social club because it's an upscale social environment, fully stocked bar, gourmet dining, pool tables, dozens of poker tables. And every uh, every other Friday, occasionally I'll go out there. They do a live stream on a cash game, big game going on there. Johnny Danger Cole from iLogic Media has just reached out to me. Uh, he's told me he's going to jump on a broadcast with us this week. So y'all check us out out there at Prime as well. It's a great environment. And get in the game out there at Prime, 7801 Westheimer. All right, let's get it rolling. Second half of the show, I'm solo dolo here. Aaron Wilson off breaking news. So keep an eye on his Twitter, Texans fans, Aaron at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL, because you never know what calls coming in and what could he could be breaking that. A lot of great nuggets there in the first half of the show. Wealth of information catching us up on Kenyon Green and Nico Collins and Malik Collins injury, the Ty Johnson uh, switch out, all of that. But now, the rest of the 20 of uh, 2022 for me. Now, this is an Aaron Wilson saying this, you know, that's why Aaron's able to come on. He gave his opinion. Uh, we talk about what we see alike and where we disagree now. So this isn't the Houston football show. This is Jason Braddock speaking. And for the rest of 2022 for me, and I'm putting my evaluator front office cap on 2022 is about 2023 and beyond. Now, me and Aaron may disagree on Damian Pearson. Some of y'all may agree with him. Some of y'all may agree with me. No personal emotions involved in this. This is just sports. That being said, I'm going to state a little background on why I believe it this way. I do. I do believe in the 400-plus touch season, and that's a no-no number. You get up around 400-plus touch uh, in a season, historically, they continuously decline, whether it's Le'Veon Bell. The fall off. Go look at the historical fall off after a season of 400 plus touches. Go look at uh, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, he's healthy right now. 
and you know, they got a good value in the trade and that contract really surprised me, but not really when you look at the family ties there with the McCaffreys and the Shanahan's and even Lynch, John Lynch having the ties as well. It's just a full buy-in where everything worked out, but um, I'd be scared to death of that contract. I know you get a benefit this year and you can work out the futures if you think you're pursuing for a Super Bowl, but I digress. All that being said, there's a reason you have to be su supremely talented at the running back position to to get drafted even in the first round. The position's devalued. You got Damian Pierce this year in the fourth round. It's a great find. You got blessed because they didn't put a ton of miles on them in Florida. And I don't know why, but it's just a blessing. Don't, don't shoot the gift horse. Just give him a big old kiss in the mouth because he's blessed you with Dame. Well, Damian Pierce is a fine, a top five running back in the NFL as a rookie. The dude is extremely talented, and yes, he's going to continue to get better, but I'm not giving him increased risk. Uh, Derrick Henry, after his 400-plus touch season, he, yeah, he's got a ton of yards, but he's got a ton of carries. He's averaging 4.0 yards per carry. And we're talking about Derrick Henry here being held to 4.0. He's just a workhorse back at this time. Like, reminds you of Steven Jackson towards the end of his career where there in the fourth quarter, defenses get wore down. He just starts eating on you. All that being said, um, the, I believe the wear is real. I believed it. I was saying uh, fans when I was doing Sports Talk Radio here in Houston kind of got upset with me because I'm like, hey, the numbers, how much he's worked on Aaron Foster, the declines come and go ahead and sell high so you can get a return. Said the same thing with J.J. Watt, even though it's not the running back position. And um, fans kind of got upset with me on wanting to trade J.J. and Aaron. But the decline happened immediately after both of them. They got zero return on investment on either one of two top. I mean, they're Hall of Fame talents. Now, I know Aaron's career was short. It's probably not going to go in the Hall of Fame, but both of them were Hall of Fame talents, and you got zero on your return on investment. Sell high. This is a business. I don't have fandom, which allows me to not have a personal buy-in. JJ might have been the greatest person in the city. To me, I'm looking at this as a business, and I can get a pick back for this and all that, and we can still bring him back. Like He's still with the Arizona Cardinals. Y'all realize he didn't retire with the Texans, right? You just didn't get return on him. You held him and gave him a hundred million dollar contract that he gave you one good year on because all the injuries started to pile up. What the reading the tea leaves, the proof was right there. The writing was on the wall. What was going to come again? I digress. I need to roll this back in. All that being said, look at Jonathan Taylor. Before the year, I said, be careful drafting Jonathan Taylor high in your fantasy draft, just like be careful with Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, and Barkley's having a great year. How many years has he missed? Here's the thing. You don't put the running backs at added risk for a lost season. It's tank season now. We gave you buy-in as a media. The fans gave you buy-in. Well, some of them did uh, to say, all right, well, go prove to us that you can compete in these games. You competed in these games. And in a year of the most parity in the NFL, the Texans showed they were worse than the parity. They played the worst team in the AFC this past week, got beat by 18 and became the worst team in the AFC. What else do you need to see? You're seven weeks in. You can't say, oh, we got to tackle better. Yeah, we, we've heard that for six games. This is your identity at this point. So it's tank season now. You had the first seven weeks of the season. You're the second worst team record-wise in the NFL. And the way you lost is just back-breaking for your fan base. Your fan base had seen you five out of the six games that Texas have played. They were either winning or tied 
going into the fourth quarter. Game starting, guys. Texans are tied. Game starting, guys. Texans are winning. That's the fan base feeling, excitement. Five out of six games. That one six game they didn't have the lead or tied heading into the last quarter of the game was the Chargers, which they came back and cut it to a three-point game with eight and a half minutes left in the fourth. So in a league of parity and 50-50 games, you showed you close enough to contend but not finish. And seven weeks in, you can't say the same things you were saying week one. So, no, I, I, as a media person, I have no buy-in on the franchise for 2022. I have a ton of buy-in on the franchise for 2023 beyond. And that's why I flipped the page. And I think if the franchise is being honest with itself, I believe this is the point they flipped the page. Aaron's saying he doesn't expect a lot of movement before the draft. And Aaron – Damn near, if he's not 100%, it's a 99.9. That dude doesn't put stuff out unless he knows, knows, knows. Verified the verification. <laughs> I mean, you see the vocabulary drops, and that man's the definition of professionalism. I can't spell three of the words he said tonight. So I think Texans should be in tank mode right now. And Tankathon says they own the Browns pick, which is fifth for 2023. Uh, Ed, Eric Edlum, um, Set over, I think at, uh, I think he's at NFL Network now. I've been following for years. I think uh, he does great work. I believe he's at NFL, uh, NFL.com, NFL Network now. Uh, put out an article that I think has the Texans at four. Whether it's four or five, they've got that's their second top five pick. And you look at who the Texans and the Browns pay play, and the Texans are sitting at the number two pick in the 2023 draft. They got two picks in the top five. Texans next five games. Tennessee four and two, Eagles six and one, Giants five and one, Washington, even though three and four, and Miami four and three, these are all teams that are playing uh, contention type football, at least uh, towards those wild card spots in Washington's case, at the very least. The next three games, they're playing teams with a 16 and three record. Browns' next four games, I say four because they have a bye, and you might be wondering, why is he doing five games, next four games? Uh, well, with the Browns, there's four games, uh, next four games in a bye, Texas' next five games, because after that, they face each other. And at that point, Houston could be playing Houston, in a sense, for the top pick in the draft. That's not a crazy thought. When I say Houston playing Houston with them owning the Browns pick, when Deshaun comes back to Houston and the Shane Bales are given out at the front door for everybody in the crowd, soon as Deshaun comes out, shame, shame, shame. I mean, the entire stadium do that might be the greatest moment ever for a one-win team. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that, but maybe I'm just a little petty even at 43. But Browns next four games, Texas next five. I just went through to Texas. Browns next four with that bye. Versus Cincinnati at Miami, at Buffalo, and even though Tampa Bay's down, it's the Browns versus Brady. Uh, their next three games, those teams are 13-7. and seven. They could really head into that game, depending on what happens with Detroit and Carolina, a couple of the uh, bad teams. Detroit's got the worst record in the league at 1-5, and five, followed by Texans at 1-4-1, one, and, one. and then you got a, a few teams there at 2-5. and five. Depending on where those go, those teams go, the matchup week 13 between these two teams could be for the number one pick. Like the Texans could seriously be sitting there if they just really go straight tank. They could be sitting there and say, hey, maybe we should beat the Browns here because we've got one more. And obviously this is hyperbole, tongue in cheek. But just to paint the picture of how crazy this could be, they're like, well, let's go out and beat the Browns today because they've got one more win. If we beat them, we secure getting that first and second pick. 
If you can get the first and second pick in any draft, here, let, let's just go through this because we know the Astros tanked. They were called the Lastros for a reason. They tanked. What happened after they tanked? Well, it's currently still going on. The party hasn't stopped. They've gone, they're going to their fourth World Series in six years. They've made the Yankees a laughing stock of baseball because of how much they hated the Astros, called on them and won them and got their teeth kicked in in their own damn part. They made excuses and cried the entire time. When every excuse ran out, they turned on their own team and their own fans. Take it's kind of sweet right now, at least for Astros fans in the city of Houston. Let's flip to another sport here in Houston, the Rockets. Well, the Rockets, well, uh, why should they take another year? They didn't get the number one pick the year before the last year. Uh, that's a great question. What was that consolation prize? Well, they got the number two pick in the draft, and the guy I thought was the number one pick in the draft, Jalen Green. So the consolation prize was the number two pick, and I think they got the best player because Jordan Green, I mean, excuse me, Jalen Green, little 40 and slip there, uh, is, is special. Jalen Green is going to be one of the top players in the NBA. I don't care if you share, share it, send it, the old takes exposed. That I've never, I'm 43 years old, I've never compared a prospect to Michael Jordan and said he's the next Jordan. I'm going to tell you this right here on the Houston Football Show. Y'all keep this between us. I know y'all be reasonable with this. Jalen Green is the first prospect. I'm going to say he's the next Michael Jordan. That kid is going to be special. I don't miss a game of Jalen Green. All right. Again, I'm digressing. All right. That being said, I paint, paint the picture. They tank. They get the two pick. They get Jalen Green. I think he's the best prospect in the draft. Next year, they tank. Oh, they don't get the one pick. They get the three pick. They get Jabari Smith Jr. I'm still trying to figure out how he fell to three. The, uh, I, I had Chet higher, but with the injury risk, I would have felt more comfortable with Jabari Smith. They win both. Chet's already injured. You get Jabari Smith at three. So even if they have a horrible season coming off their first one against the Jazz before and playing the Jazz tomorrow night, uh, at one and three, even if they have a horrible season and they don't win the lottery, the fact that maybe they do win, and get Victor, women, 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 or they lose and get the second pick and they get Scoot. Or maybe they get another top prospect that's not Scoot or Victor and turns out to be the next Jalen Jabari Smith Jr. or whoever else falls to their pick. I'm fine. Uh, anyway, bringing it all back home. I'm good with tanking. It works. There's a reason you tank. You can't tell me you don't want to see the Texans tank while you're wearing your Astros ALCS championship 2022 salivating over every bit of paraphernalia that's got an Astros logo sold within 100 miles of your house. You're making trips to Bucky to buy beaver nuggets with Astro luggage stamped on it. I don't know if that's a real thing. If it is, trademark Ricky Bobby, I want my percent. Listen. Tank. Tank is good. That's the new slogan. Breathe it in. Tank is good. The Astros, Jalen, Jabari Smith Jr. I wasn't fully on board with the Kevin Porter Jr. contract. They signed that deal, got that contract done, and the contract they gave him looked genius, and Kevin Porter Jr. is balling. So I let it play out. All of that being said, yes, if the Rockets can get a two top five picks, if they can get the first and second pick, even if it's not that two top five, two top ten picks, you're adding more talent like Derek Stingley Jr., Kenyon Green. You're getting guys like Jalen Petrie and Christian Harris in the second and third round. This team knows how to evaluate, and you've probably tired of hearing me saying it for 10-plus years, but my old adage is if you have 
true evaluators that are plus evaluators over the curve in your franchise organization, your window never closes. Ask the New England Patriots. They may know a little something about that with a, a couple championships. Ask the Astros who's going to the World Series yet again and don't look like they're whole, uh, slowing down anytime soon. So, yes, Texans, Browns put in a finality to that. I think both of these could be, if not the two worst teams in football, right there still among those top fives. The schedule's not looking good for both of those when Deshaun comes back to the Shane Bells in Houston. All right, quickly. When I say flip the page as a franchise, I do want to flip the page on Damian Pierce, but don't don't get too drastic on me. When I say flip the page, I want to not put him at risk. It's not only the 400-plus touch seasons. Look at Jonathan Taylor. The reason he didn't go in the first round of the draft, and I believe it was second round, if I'm not mistaken, early second round, top 50 pick. But one of the big reasons he didn't go in the first round of the draft was never talent. Everybody knew that guy was a stud. It was his work usage. He was the anti-Damian Pierce. They took all the tread off the tire. The guy had 299 carries, 300-plus carries, 300-plus carries. That was three straight years in college, and then he came to the Colts the last two years where he's getting heavy usage. You knew there was going to be wear down this year. Don't burn out Damian Pierce before you're playing for playoff pushes and possible titles. He's a big piece of the formula. You're playing with house money with Damian. I don't give him more than 15-plus touches the rest of the way. Maybe it'd be nice for him to have a trophy saying rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, again, I, I'm not a fan. I, I'm telling you business-wise. And as a business I need Damian Pierce to be healthy throughout the entirety of his rookie contract, throughout the entirety, get every value of it, because that team could be good in 2023, and that team could be special in 2024. I don't need Damian Pierce to have 300-plus touches in 2022 on a one-win team and, and starting to speed up that decline quicker than it needs to be. Dari. We've been saying all year, why is Dari not getting more touches? Why don't they bring in another back? Dari's role needs to increase. The Texans need to go out and find a young back, and I'll have some guys, some practice. It's practice squad still season. If you don't believe me, Texans just lost C.J. Moore, twin brother A.J. Moore off their practice squad today. I believe Aaron Wilson reported that it was to the Detroit Lions. Um, but that's that's the season. You down bottom of the season, go ahead, start start getting you talent for the next season. Kick it. You brought Tyler Johnson in. I have no problem. With I wanted to bring Tyler Johnson in. I was I was all on board with that. Bring him in. You don't think he's right. You've got you've had several weeks to have a firsthand look at him. If this organization that has been this great on evaluation doesn't think he's right, and they kick him out and bring in Tyron Johnson. I'm fine. If in two and three weeks they kick Tyron out or someone else and bring somebody else in, that's what needs to be done. Churn. Churn the bottom of this roster and find all the young diamonds in the rough for future years because this is about the future. 2022 was dead. This is on-the-job training. 2022 is on-the-job training for the 2023 and 2024 season. Build the chemistry, develop the games. Now, Nico's really started to grow in all areas of his game. Uh, this untimely injury doesn't sound like it's too severe per uh, Aaron Wilson earlier on the show. But if Cooks is trading, again, uh, I, I'm right where Aaron's at. I, I don't trade Cooks. And for me, I'm not eating eight million in dead million, uh, eight million in dead money to save less than a million in cap savings or whatever it may be based off of proration at this point of the season. But 
I think Cook should be traded. Four drops this year is not the same player. Doesn't seem happy. I know he's saying he's happy. He's all in and all that. I'd rather see Brandon Cooks as a vet this stage of his career. Go play for a title somewhere else. And I believe you can get a late second round pick for him. Contenders that are going to trade for Brandon Cooks are going to give you, I mean, you can't tell me for Brandon Cooks, you're not going to give the 60th through 64th pick in the draft for Brandon Cooks, a known commodity. For the 60th, 60th, 40th, 40, the 60th, 64th pick with them having to eat that dead money for a playoff team? Nah, you can't, you can't sell me that. The Texans should get that. Uh, but where I do differ and maybe this is the Texans taking a hard uh, hard stance because you don't want to say well we'll take a third if you're trying to get that second but if push comes to shove up against that deadline they can't get that second I definitely take the third I like Brandon Cooks hope he has a great career here in Houston and after nothing personal against him but as a business I, I I need future and if I can get that contract off my books Brandon Cooks contract off my books as he's showing the decline here and he's not going to provide you value as far as wins in any time soon get the contract off the books for the future and then uh, save that money and get you another pick, another uh, dart at the board. Conserio has been a chess master flipping these picks in the draft, getting more future picks, moving up and down where he wants to. Give him, give him the ammunition on draft day because that's more important. Everything else is leading to 2023, including free agency and the draft. Uh, I talked about Tyron Johnson. One thing I, I would like to see, I don't need to see game man manager Davis Mills anymore. In my view, you're tanking seasons over. This is all about assessments. No game management. I need to see risk. I don't need to see game manager. I don't need to see, hey, protect this. I need to see what these young guys can do, especially the quarterback position. I need to see Davis Mills go out there and rip it. You brought in Tyron Johnson. He's a take a top off, uh, take the top off a defense type dude. He's got that type of speed. Take those shots. Let me see what Davis Mills is. Now, Early in the season, you're trying to avoid his weaknesses and play to his strengths. That's out the window at 1-4-1. and one. Now you're playing to his weaknesses, his strengths. You're trying to build up those weaknesses and prove on those strengths to see who he is. And if you got two top five picks and Davis Mills is telling you that he's that dude, then, man, you can still – Add that talent without paying out salary at that quarterback position and just passing on quarterback in 2023 doesn't mean you're passing on a franchise quarterback. Two more first round picks the following year. And then you could trade one of those picks for a first round. They've got so much different ways they can go. Mills doesn't show you the guy, then you definitely have your answer that you need to go get that quarterback in the draft and then you can hopefully flip Mills either next year for, uh, you know, whatever you can get uh, back in trade. I don't know what the value would be on them. Depends what the rest of the season would would turn out to be. But you only spend a third on them, uh, get them for a couple years during your rebuild, and then flip them for a third, possibly a second, or whatever it may be. There's so many outs. It doesn't have to be expedited right now. So I, I would just pump the brakes and let's see what Mills can do. And hopefully that's the plan with the Texans. Let him air it out to Tyron Johnson. Let him throw these other guys, see what he can do. But with Nico banged up and if Cooks possibly gets traded, uh, I need to see what young guys can do throughout the entire roster. Jalen Camp, Johnny Johnson third, Davion Davis, Drew Estrada, that wide receiver position, are one of these guys a hidden gem? We don't know. 
Get them out there, live reps, on the job. Every one of these guys should get live opportunities over these last 11 games. Also, they should look to bring in a young wide receiver, just like they did with Tyron Johnson. If they don't think it's one of these guys, um, continue continue to turn the bottom of that roster. We're going to hit a quick break here. Got a couple more segments for you. Um, but before... I mean, excuse me, when we come back from this break, though, I want to turn the page on the defense and tell you what that might look like. Also, some other areas on the offense, they, they need to look to turn the page the last 11 weeks of the season. That next after this break. Prom Social Poker Club opens daily at 10 a.m. and doesn't close until the last person leaves. Now, that's 24-7, 365 days a year, so you can always get your poker game on at Prime. Also, daily, free play starting at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. with happy hour from 4 to 9 p.m. They have daily and nightly tournaments with buy-in starting as low as $60 and going as high as $5,000. Now, check this out. Guaranteed prize money as large as $2 million. What are you waiting for? Get in the game. Prime Social Poker Club here locally in Houston, 7801 Westheimer. We've told you about the endless insights at Inside Edge, but let us tell you about the real gold mine. They're five star picks. And in the 2021 NFL season, Inside Edge went 34 and 14 against the spread for a success rate of 70.8. And now you have access to these five star picks for only $20 per pick or get the deal of the lifetime. Every five star pick for the entire year for only $149. Even better, our listeners get a discount of 10% on that access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON. All right, I've been rambling a little bit tonight. Let me reel it in before my man Danger, uh, Jonathan Danger Cole, iLogic Media producing as always. Before his wife uh, comes down here to Texas and gives me a whooping uh, for keeping a man out too late. Getting a little mouthy tonight, running my mouth a little too more. So let's reel it in, go through these last couple things we got laid out, and let you get on your way, headed in for fake Oilers week here in Houston. <clears throat> Defense turns the page. This is what it's going to look like. Um, one, four, and one. Don't need to see what these vet guys uh, really can do at this point. Uh, they haven't really done much, especially on that defensive line. Two sacks last three games. I'm trying to move guys, and I'll get into the players you could trade away possibly here in a second. But uh, <clears throat> assuming they move these guys or assume they uh, minimize their roles or what, whatever it may turn out to be, Derek Roberson, Michael Treadway, some of these D-line D guys, you got a couple there on the practice squad. Get these guys up. Let's get them some live reps and see if you have something for the future because that's a position of need. You have to find that position. You got these guys sitting there. And even if the fall off, especially at first, is drastic, who cares? Nobody cares in 2023 if you're playing for the playoffs, if you lost 49 to nothing this year. If we all understand this is a smart football city, especially it's a smart sports town, especially after watching what the Astros have done, what the middle of the process the Rockets are in and where the Texans need to be starting this week. I think the city understands it and, and the development is definitely more important than going out there and losing another 50-50 game by sucking away the fourth quarter. Tristan McCollum, instead of Eric Murray, and I don't know if you've seen this, but on the rewatch, I noticed they took Jalen Petrie out for a series. He had a couple missed tackles. Uh, he had, uh, uh, Lovey called it a rookie mistake. Uh, zone coverage there came down on the tight end. 
needed to really come back over across the top to get the pass breakup on the Matt Collins touchdown. Lovey calls it a rookie mistake there, pointing towards uh, Jalen Petrie. He bit on the tight ends route underneath, which he didn't need to. Cost him a critical touchdown there. Had some more missed tackles. Leads the NFL in missed tackles. He's a young guy. If they're competing for the AFC South, yeah, I punish him. I rub his nose in it. Same thing with Christian Harris. I don't care about Christian Harris's missed tackles this past week. Yes, he was playing like, you know, D Ford during that combine. He said Jadavion Clowney, both of them come out in the same draft. And D Ford compared Jadavion Clowney to a blind dog in the meat market. That's what Christian Harris looked like. I'm going to be honest with you. But damn, that's a nice, fun dog to watch. He's flying around, barking, biting people. I, I liked it. I liked it. I don't care that he's spinning around in a circle in the middle of the play because he picked up the assignment wrong. He still got back in position to take the running back out. Uh, he's taking on blocks. He's exploding into offensive linemen and shedding them. I haven't seen line. I'm thirsty for this. I'm thirsty. Help me. Let me see more Christian Harrison. I know Lovey said, we mentioned it early on the broadcast, that we don't want to overload his plate. I understand that. Lovey's a smart guy. Uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. And so they basically, instead of making him play in 4-3, he only played sub packages, which you're in sub packages for the majority of the game. 3-3-5, they ran three reps of 3-3-5. The three linebackers in the 3-3-5 was Kirko, obviously, in the middle, Christian Kirksey, with Christian Harris and Blake Kelly. Cashman. Cashman did. He showed well on those three reps. I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, the three, three, five, they were saving for third and long situations, obvious passing downs. And Cashman was getting in the lane, getting his hands up. Uh, he was making his presence fail on every rep he got. Um, Christian Harris flying around there, but then, uh, sub package, nickel package. You got your five DVs, only two linebackers. That's Christian Harris. That's, uh, Christian Kirksey. And that was the majority of the game. But when they went to their base defense four three, those two outside linebackers with Christian Kirksey were Kamu uh, Grugier Hill and uh, Garrett Wallow. Wallow flashed flashed a few times. Definitely love him on the run blitz coming through there. He'll wreck stuff. Even if he doesn't make the plays like a missile coming through there, wrecking things, uh, creating chaos, muddying it up for other guys to come and finish. I would love to see a 4-3 with Christian Harris because Aaron says they're not going to move Christian Kirksey anytime. He's the middle of that defense divorce for Lovey. So if that's, that's the case, give me Christian Harris and Garrett Wallow on the outside in 4-3. Overload his plate. I don't give a damn about this. You're one, four, and one. I want to see more Christian Harris. I want to see him develop. It's the same thing. I mean, you. Know, what if we ask Derek Stingley Jr.? I understand Stingley's third third pick in the draft and Petrie's second. Christian Harris the third pick in the draft, and to me, I thought he was going in the first two rounds. I don't know how he landed there in the third. Why is it too much for Christian Harris, but it's not for Stingley and Petrie? And I'm not buying that. I I mean, when I'm watching the play of of the other linebackers you have out there. No, let me see Chris. I would much rather see Christian Harris continue to develop and learn on the fly and make mistakes than I'd rather see vets make those same mistakes. Maybe not as raw and flying around and just, you know, no patience. He looked like Petrie did the first couple of weeks in the season. And that's where, even though Petrie's got like, what, nine, 10 missed tackles now and leads the NFL, the majority of those came the first couple of weeks of the season. He did have a couple more this past week, which wasn't good to see. It looked like they benched him. I don't know if there was something else to that, but that entire drive, they put Eric Murray in there, and nobody wants to see that. Eric, Eric Murray's mom was like, please get my son out of the game. Uh, he just basically with moved in plus, minus five feet, north, south, east, west. 
gas uh, in a zone space and never crashed, never never did anything. Uh, he probably didn't even realize he came in for Petrie. They went straight down the field, got a touchdown during that drive, and then Petrie returned back to the game. Need to see the young guys. Let them make their mistakes here in 2022 as opposed to 2023. I would spell the tackles. Uh, the Texans are blessed with Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard. Uh, uh, this team, I need them for 2023 in the future. I, I re-sign Titus Howard, get him a pina colada, rub his feet, whatever he's into. I don't give it. Feed him grapes in the fourth quarter. But Laramie Tunsil and Titus, I, this is going to sound crazy to you. I'm giving Charlie Heck and Austin Deculus reps, not the entire game, not even a half. But you get into the fourth quarter of a game, you're down double digits, up double digits. Who cares if you win or lose? Oh, no, these are athletes. They always want to win. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me that. This is a billion-dollar business. I follow the money, not the comments and the hyperbole people say. This is a billion-dollar business. I'm developing everything I can because 2022 record does not matter. Give me everybody ready. If Titus or Tussle's not brought back, knock on wood, if they uh, get a hangnail and miss a game, I need a developed swing tackle in Charlie Heck or Austin Deculus. These are live reps. This is invaluable opportunities, and I embrace it fully. Same thing, Tegan Quitarino. Every time before we go live, I can say it. But when I come on air, I can't, I, I can't say, well, let's call him T.O., T.Q., excuse me, T.Q., like the old R&B singer. I'm not going to get into that. Y'all not 90s babies. Tegan. Can he be that blocking tight end? What can he do? Get him back from IR. See what he can get in there. Tristan McCollum. Instead of Eric Murray, let's get Tristan McCollum up here. Let him get some live reps at safety. Again, to me, it's all about the future. Same thing on that offensive line. As the season goes along, Jordan Steckler, uh, Trevor Wallace-Sims, Casey McDermott. If you're on this 69-man roster, you're on this roster, and you're a part of the future until you're not. And what I mean by that is that these vets – they were part of the plan in case the Texans could win these 50-50 games and be there in the hunt in AFC South or a possible playoff. They're not. You're the second worst team in football. You're not fighting back in. You can't win these 50-50 games. You've been tied or had the lead every game except one. Going into the fourth quarter, and you've choked it away on both sides of the ball with dumb penalties, missed tackles, interceptions. And the list goes on and on and on. That's who you are seven weeks into the season. That's why they put a trade deadline one week from today because it gives you enough time to say, hey, we've tried, guys. Hey, Shake some hands, give some Christmas cookies, uh, some pecan pie for Thanksgiving, whatever you want to give them on the way out the door. Like, man, hey, great job. I hope you enjoyed Houston. Feel free to come back and visit any time. And that's my nice way to say you're not a part of the plan here because we're on to 2023. So some of those players, they can trade away. Brandon Cooks, we talked about. Needs to be that uh, bottom, uh, excuse me, needs to go for that late second round pick, 60 to 64, somewhere in that round, uh, give or take. High third uh, high third round pick, if they've given you a, a top 70 pick, that's basically a late second. I don't give a damn. Get it get it done for there. The the pick's great to get back for Brandon Cook, especially if you get a second after trading a second for him. We all know the whole backstory. Let's not rehash it. But especially when you get that second back for him, that makes eating that dead money a little bit easier. And the big deal is you get that contract off for the future. And again, the debt in 2022 means nothing. Uh, it's about the savings for 2023 and 2024. Steven Nelson, still missing tackles. Petrie, 
fine. Stay on the field. I'm okay with the missed tackles. Work through it. Christian Harris, stay on the field. Work through it. Um, Steven Nelson, you're a vet, dude. Too many missed tackles. You're missing tackles so bad coming in high that you're actually friendly firing, injuring, and taking out Malik Collins, who's such Malik Collins, who's such a pivotal part of the defensive line. Um, I'm sorry. It was a great contract, great signing by Nick Casera. Got him on a value deal. They're one four and one. It uh, doesn't need to be a part of the future. Playoff teams going into next week's trade deadline that are getting the league's getting ravaged by injuries. And there's only a couple teams that think like, man, we're close. We could really push and get a title. You get Steven Nelson on that contract. Yes. And I don't even care about the pick. Uh, you know, just continue to work it back. Every pick you can get in return. Like I said, Nick Casario, I want him to sit there on draft day every year and have as much ammunition in front of them as possible until this team is great, not good. The city of Houston football has never won a championship. They played for mediocre. They played for consolation prizes and moral victories. Nick Casario came to town and everyone with them from that New England organization, they're not playing for AFC South banners. They're playing for championships. They're pissed. Like Brandon Cooks is pissed. They're pissed. Like this is embarrassing to them. My name is on this. This is on my resume. They're not playing for mediocrity. This is an old-time Houston football that's never won a Super Bowl. This is the new era. And why are you bringing Nick Casario? Why you get hit with tampering for a GM? Because he's that dude. And he's showing you that through the drafts at this point. So I'm giving him everything. What? Oh, you're giving me a six for Nelson? You're giving me a conditional seventh? Taking the contract, bam, bam, bam. Let's get a young guy in here at corner, see what he can do. Jerry Huge, Mario Addison came in as vet guys that can give you a little bit of ex-pass rush. Jerry Huge showed well early. Haven't seen him lately. Tell me if, you, uh, if you've seen him, tell him I said hi. Uh, really haven't seen him on game day too much or any of the pass rush for the Texans. Two sacks total in the last three games combined. Uh, so both of those guys, you can get them out again, you know, Give them some raising canes. You give them a little coupon, whatever. Let them drive around the the six ten loop. Get one last look at Houston and thank them for the services. Christian Kirksey, he Lovey. Um, Aaron said he's the voice of Lovey Smith on the field. He's so important. He's he's not going to be moved. Listen, I talk about Jenga block pieces all the time on offenses and defenses and sports. This defense will continue to struggle. One week one, you say we got to tackle better. Week two, we got to tackle better. Week three, bye week's over. Week six, we got to tackle better. When you say it every single week, there's an issue on your defense where people aren't tackling. Christian Kirksey, Kamu Grugier Hill, they're among the league leaders at linebackers and missed tackles. Jalen Petrie, Steven Nelson, among the league leaders and defensive backs and missed tackles. This begins in the center, the heart of Lovey's defense at the middle linebacker position. And if they're not moving on from them at least this year, uh, I mean, the, the defense, it's not going to get fixed. You can't have a hole in a bucket, keep pouring water at it and say, hey, bucket's still not filling up. And then you leave for a bye week and come back and put water in it like, hey, guys, bucket's still not filling up. Yeah, you got a damn hole in the bucket. Christian Kirk sees the hole in the middle of your defense. He's the Jenga block. Him being there, but instead of him being there, uh, giving it foundation, him being there actually has the 
the opposite effect where the entire thing collapses with just him being there. Doesn't take on blocks, doesn't shed from him well, and even when he keeps clean, he gets stuck on his own man sometimes, and, and it's killing the defense. So these are guys they need to try to move and trade away. I know Aaron said earlier a lot of these guys, they possibly won't do that, but that's my two cents, my thoughts on some of those vests. We got one last quick uh, break here. Give me 60 seconds. We'll come up and finish the show strong. Uh, before we get out of here, though, I do have to tell you about our title sponsor, Inside Edge. Inside Edge, if you've seen the movie Moneyball, they started with the analytics and data in professional sports, Major League Baseball, 27 years ago. And since then, they've gone on to work with the NFL, NHL, uh, so many different leagues, even your favorite sites, PR departments, and uh teams, sports teams around the league, use their product and they get it from My Inside Edge. And now you can get this too for free at MyInsideEdge.com. And if you're more of the gambling type, they've got such a sweet deal. They're five-star picks. Last year, against the spread in the NFL, they were 34 and 14, 71% success rate. You can get these picks this year for $20 a pick or Get the entire rest of the season for only $149 and the listeners for the Houston football show. Use my code Houston for a 10% discount. That's code Houston at myinsideedge.com. All right, we're going to finish up real quick. Practice squad steals. I'm a little bit of a dork when it comes to football. I get more excited for the draft and free agency, practice squad waiver claims. I, I love the X's and O's, and I love everything that goes into the totality of the picture, probably more than I even love the games. I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd, like I said. One of my favorite things is stealing guys off of practice squads that go on to have a pivotal role in your franchise. Consider it like, I don't know, I'm going to just make up a scenario. Let's say there's a football player named Josh Fields, and there's another football player in another organization, uh, let's say the L.A. Rams or something. I'm just throwing stuff up against the wall. And they've got this football player called Jordan Alvarez, and you go out there, and they steal Josh Fields off. You know, my analogy is getting off track. I'm just taking a shot at the Dodgers here. Long story short, but anyway, it's like getting Jordan Alvarez for nothing. I'm not guaranteeing you're going to get Jordan Alvarez, but you're not playing for anything, and you're churning the bottom of that roster. Here's some practice squad steals, a couple positions. Uh, I would like to see them go out, try to find some young guys that could possibly turn into a diamond in the rough and be a part of the foundation. They don't have to be the key piece, a pivotal part, but they could be a piece of that formula uh, for the future years. Running back position, couple guys I'll throw out there. I don't know the Texans evaluations and filling on these guys, but here's a couple guys on practice squads that uh, I think the Texans should at least uh, bring in one of these guys. And maybe it's not for the future. Maybe it's to take some of the work for this year to get off Damian Pierce. But Jamar Jefferson, LaMichael P. Ryan, Wayne Gallman, J.J. Taylor, who this front office is very familiar with, Tyler Beatty, Jared Patterson and Larry Roundtree III. A couple backs there, like I said, some of those can take that receiving role a little bit factor in. Some of them are some younger backs that hopefully uh, there's something there that's untapped that you you find the potential land. Maybe they just fit in a certain role or maybe uh, like a Wayne Gallman, he comes in, he's not going to be a great back. He's going to give you four yards of carry and he's going to take a lot of those carries while allowing the offense to still move and get Davis Mill a chance to show what he can do without asking Damian Pierce to run 20 plus times a game in a on a one-win team wide receiver i've said this name plenty he keeps second year still on the practice squad maybe i missed you know i like tyler johnson looked like it didn't work out in tampa it hasn't worked out here in houston and now he's back to free agency so maybe i missed but i would like to see 
you know, with this Texas team, Seattle's practice squad, Kay Johnson, love him working out the slot, love his rouse. I would like to see him work with Davis Mills. Uh, other guys on practice squads at that wide receiver position, little Jordan Humphreys down there with the Patriots. Uh, Brandon Smith, Dallas, dude, 6'1". He's got a 6'9 wingspan possession receiver. Uh, get him in here on a possession role, can kind of take uh, – some of those reps while if Nico does miss times, Tarek Black, uh, another big body guy that could take some of those reps for uh, for Nico in his departure. And who knows, maybe some of these guys really turn in to be a dominant rough. Also, Des Fitzpatrick was a guy I like, but I know the Titans don't have a lot of great wide receivers and he can't seem to really get caught up from the practice squad and stay up. So another guy that maybe, you know, maybe maybe the talent is isn't there, but in this position, and where you're where you're at, I mean, you can just take top waiver claims. You can go out and sign practice squad and turn the bottom of the roster, and you're not really worried about the wins and losses. This is the perfect time for Nick Casario to build the foundation of for 2023, 2024, and 2025. Other guys at different position, you've probably heard me talk since before the draft, after the draft, during the preseason, first couple of weeks of the season. Alec Lindstrom has just been sitting there. He went on draft, I don't know how, then he's been sitting there right up north on the Cowboys practice squad. He's still on the practice squad, but I saw something uh, earlier this week where they really liked his growth and what he's showing. And I don't know if that means they're going to promote him or just call him up. So I don't know if you can get him away. I'm definitely on that phone call. And if I need to, you know, just give me a shout. I like driving. Casario, just holler at me. Nikki, you know, if we're close, you know, when Bill would get mad at me, I call him Billy. He seemed to like that. So Nikki, if you need me, just take a drive up 45. I don't know if the, I don't think the shuttle train's been made yet. I'll just hop in the car, go grab Alec Lindstrom, bring him back, and you can let him complete it, compete at center and right guard for the rest of the season. We got a deal. Don't worry. I won't even charge you gas, man. All right. Jabari Zaniga, edge pass rusher. The guy played at Florida with Jonathan Grenard, just like LaMichael Piran played at Florida in the same backfield with Damian Pierce. Bring some guys that are familiar, comfortable environment, really hasn't taken off in his career. But like what he showed in college, uh, again, I know he's changed scenery quite a few times, but still hanging around on the practice squad, maybe something there. Same thought process at linebacker with Chaz Surratt. And then an athlete. This is just me wanting to give Nick Casario a guy with four, two, three speed. I don't know if he's ever going to be anything. I don't know what position you play, play him at, but the guy's like under six foot, but has almost a six, five wingspan and ran a four, two, three 40 at the combine. He's just a complete athlete. Is he a gunner? Is he a special team? Give it to the Texans. Give it to Casario. He's just sitting out there on the practice squad. I'd like to see Kalon Barnes uh, brought in as well, too. Now, obviously, there's a ton of names. Just throwing you different names out there to give you an idea where I'd like to see him bring in running back, wide receiver, interior offensive line, edge, linebacker. And, again, when there's a guy with 4-2-3 speed with a 6-5 wingspan that could possibly play DB uh, and a it's nothing to bring him in off a of practice squad. Yeah, I'm definitely kicking the tires on that. But it'll be interesting, guys. That's going to do it for another week. Season one, episode 14. Thank you to Aaron Wilson at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. Uh, Texans Insider for KPRC2 and Sports Talk 790. Thank you to Jonathan Danger Cole and also his partner, Mark Larson from iLogic Media. I'm Jason Braddock. That's going to do it for another week. But don't forget to come back next week, every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, 52 weeks a year. It's an inside 
inside look at the Texans that blends analytics, evaluations, scouting, and all the inside information. We deliver it here to you once a week, pack it all into one broadcast, and we thank you uh, for checking us out. Please share, tell your friends and family. I think the youngsters, they like and subscribe. Uh, this does go out on the YouTube, but whatever you got to do, spread the word out there. We enjoy what we're doing here. Just getting started now. Really going to like what we've got planned for this offseason headed up into that 2023 NBA, uh, NFL draft and also NFL free agency with the Texans having top 10 cap space available per over the cap. All right. Thank you, guys. That's going to do it for another episode. Houston Football Show until next week. This has been the Houston Football Show brought to you by Prime Social Poker Club and Inside Edge. Yeah. <laughs>